Welcome to the third series of my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. I'm Lisa. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and a business owner of It's Time for Change, I'm lucky enough to get involved with so many different aspects of employee engagement and experience. Whether that's about leadership style, mental health, the metaverse, attention and recruitment, after action reviews, or so much more, there is something on this podcast for everyone. My mantra is simple, get people right, get business right. You'll get to hear from some really interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. So hello and welcome to the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. So I'm going to start with a quote today, which I don't normally do, from George Bernard Shaw. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And I'm delighted to be joined by two communication experts, uh, Sophie Turton and Alice Reeves, who are directors and founders of The Joyful. So thank you both for joining me today. Thank you for having us. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Let's start by hearing more about your company, um, which I have to admit has quite a cool name and says a lot about you two. So tell us more. Um, sure. So The Joyful is um, a brand impact and communications consultancy, um, and we specifically work with purpose driven businesses to help them make more impact. Um, but because we're communication specialists to communicate that with impact as well um we really believe in holistic impact so not just the tip of the iceberg marketing spiel that makes it sound like you're doing lots of great things we are really passionate about businesses actually doing great things and then that gives them so many more authentic things to communicate and talk about like it and actually we're going to touch on you know you you've just mentioned a lot about um sort of the breadth of what you're interested in and we're going to be covering lots of that today which goes beyond the kind of just the marketing bits that mm. sometimes I think when you know when I first came across you guys um I thought it was very much around kind of marketing and branding and that sort of thing and then actually when I started speaking to you I was like oh there's a whole load more goes on with you and actually from seeing your post on LinkedIn it's your your passion is um really about driving positive change in the world which goes far beyond the kind of bit about just marketing um <laughs> so one of one of the things that I love about and that's why this podcast is all about employee experience is because you know it's a very generic term but it actually covers um pretty much all aspects of a of a business um and you're very clear about your passion which is about linking um communication with company culture so I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about um, how you help companies make that vital connection between communication, uh, their culture, and ultimately then their performance. Mm. I'll uh, I'll take this one if you're happy with that. Um, so it, it's interesting. Just I just wanted to come back as well um, to what you said about the name, the joyful, and where mm. that come came from, and. It, I think it relates to our conversation because one of the key reasons that Sophie and I wanted to start our own business was because that our past experience as employees, for the most part, had not 
been joyful. Mm-hmm. And when I quit my last my last job um, and I was asked why I was leaving, I said, because there's no joy in anything I do. Like there was no joy in the work I was doing. There was no joy in going to work. I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I was part of the culture. And then when I met Sophie and through our initial conversations, so much of our experiences and frustrations, both as employees and in terms of how we felt treated and valued and looked after, as well as our problems with marketing at being so inauthentic and so, you know, a face of like a veneer that was covering up stuff that just wasn't working, Mm. that that alignment, you know, it, it really was what connected us was a desire for joy, joy within our work, joy within the partnerships we form, joy within our everyday and joy within what we do. And when we first came up with the name, we were thinking, oh, joy, you know, it's happiness, it's happiness. And then when we looked at the dictionary definition, we found that joy is defined, or the, the definition of joy that we really love is that joy is the vibrant quality of consciousness. Mm. And we just felt that that was so important in terms of being conscious and being present in everything you do from, you know, running your business, communicating with your teams, through to the work and the output you deliver um, and the impact that you're making in the world with your actions. Um, So the really like long-winded preamble to your question, (laughs) um, I think any brand can come up with, oh, these are our values dictated by our leadership team and we're going to slap them on the wall and this is going to be our purpose and our PR team's going to go out and tell everyone that that's what we're in business for. Whereas the companies that, succeed and that survive are the companies that do the work to work with their teams on defining what those collective values are what that collective purpose is taking the time to understand how behaviors and actions towards each other within the workplace lends towards that purpose how the actions the company takes moves towards that purpose how the work that they do moves towards that purpose so it becomes something really tangible and actionable that they can see in action because when you just stick words on the wall it doesn't it it doesn't mean anything I'm gonna elaborate on that a little bit more as well because and catch what you said is the businesses that succeed do this and actually the first thing that I thought was like that's not true there's so many that's no you're right who are absolutely massive who don't give shit about their employees yeah yeah no you're right I'm just saying though what you where you are bang on is businesses that will succeed because I I really feel like the future of business this is no longer this kind of when we first started it was just like fluffy kind of oh yeah you just want happy happy joy joy like sort Mm. of almost like nice one little ladies like I'm sure Mm -hmm, that's lovely yeah when actually what we're talking about is something that is so much more tangible than that and there are umpteen bazillion now different resource research um surveys and, and and pieces of data that show that not only is this what consumers care about but it's what the future generations of employees yeah. care about so it really is the future of successful businesses but yeah. I think it's you're so bang on with that whole like um the terms joy and happiness and so on people often think a bit twee and yeah. when I talk about in my um, if I'm ever providing my biography for something, 
Um, and I talk about creating happy workplaces, you know, places where people can go and just feel happy and feel good about who they are and what they do and so on. And I think now people get it, but they used years ago be like, well, that's sort of a bit like, as you say, that kind of soft stuff. Like we, we're not yeah, really yeah. worried about that. We want, we're focused on the numbers and stuff. And you're like, it's fundamental that people have to experience joy and feel good about what they do and who they are in order to be able to get these numbers. But there's, and I think people now connect that. And I love the fact that you are very explicit about getting beyond the, just the values and, um, you know, how people traditionally think about this stuff and actually saying, essentially it's about joy. And if people experience joy, they're going to, show up in a great place and they're going to connect with each other really well and they're going to uh, clearly share that sense of purpose and drive because um that contributes their sense of of joy and then you perform well and you know everyone people get that now yeah Mm -hmm. and I think it's also an awful lot about with the what Alice was saying about the 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 state of consciousness it's about being aware of the impact that we have in every moment as leaders as team members as as businesses as as consumers and understanding that every single tiny moment has an impact and that is something that I think businesses are also cottoning on to because when they don't care about that there's the lack of respect so even when you don't feel joy because you're not going to feel joy all the Mm. time if you've got that conscious community that conscious community and that conscious energy and culture you feel respected and you can be yourself regardless of your your emotional state at that time Mm. and and that will pay dividends for the company when they inevitably make a mistake which they will um and an example that comes to my mind with this is a company that I worked for didn't have that respect was giving all of this lip service to um to their vision to their purpose then they went and got the living wage badge and a few people in the company saw that and was like I'm not on the living wage and it turned into this huge PR nightmare for them um which could have been avoided obviously if they'd paid everyone the minimum wage and they weren't being purpose washy but maybe let's say they didn't mean to do that and it was an oversight like let's just say that that let's just be kind and say it was if they had the respect there maybe their team would have gone to them first and said, hang on a second, this isn't quite right. And they could have dealt with it internally, but actually there was no respect. So they went to the media, the the, the mm. local media, and it turned into a PR nightmare. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, that that's a really good example of of one company, but I think that's just um, experienced, you know, slight differences in so many different organisations. And I think that really... Um, says all in terms of that level of trust and that level of it's almost that collective responsibility isn't it and accountability and actually um if we want people to have a good experience so that they can perform well we actually have to have a joint responsibility in terms of making that happen and we all have to hold each other to account and if we Mm -hmm. don't um then potentially we are um well we can just undermine everything it's, it's someone else's job to to lead on that it's someone else's job to mm-hmm. um to kind of make that stuff happen but all that I guess requires the right culture for people yeah. to be able to speak up and in your case Sophie for people to be able to rather than going to the media go to perhaps the right people to say is this an oversight what's going on 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about communication as well, where there was clearly no communication <laughs> between PR and whoever was doing payroll with that example Sophie gave. So, you know, every part of every organisation has got to be aligned, has got to know what's what, has got to know you know, has got to know enough to be able to, or rather not to know enough, but every every department's got to be communicating. Say, look, we, we're doing this. We just want to run it by mm. all of you to, you know, do you foresee any problems with this? And yeah. what do we need to do to fix it? Because that's a more authentic story is, you know, rather than going, oh, we pay the living wage. Oh, no, you don't, is we want to pay the, we, we came to sign up to this campaign and we found out we weren't. So now we are. Yeah, here's what we did about it. Here's, here's what we, we did about we it. Found. Yeah. That's so much more compelling in, in a space yeah. where we're all trying to shift into a new way of doing things where there isn't a blueprint. So it's so much more empowering for everybody to see it's okay to, to fail because there is no, there's no one showing us the way here. We're, we're way showers, so we're going to fail. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay, but we just need to help each other. Yeah. And that's and, and that's, we say a lot. Oh, sorry. No, I can say just that that comes back to that collective responsibility, doesn't it? Like you, you want to do something and you want to proclaim mm. to the wide world, this is what we're about. Yeah. But actually, um, you've got to, yeah, you've got to check it out with the people who you're who you're claiming to do yeah. this with. But also, just in the sense of you might you might be doing it all um, in terms of the way you're you're suggesting, but other people might have ideas about how you can make it even better. Or yeah. it's, that, it's that sense of actually let's let's rather than lead from the top, this is what we're really passionate about. This is what we think is important. Are we getting? Is that the right stuff to be focusing on? Full stop. Is that the right messaging to be giving? Is that really what's mm-hmm. important? Um, or do we need to tweak it slightly? Um, is, yeah. Could we do things better? And actually, just checking that out first before we mm-hmm. come up as a leadership group. This is what we think we're about. And I know that's something you guys are really. Um, and that goes back to what you were saying about your holistic approach you're really passionate as well about rather than just communicating outwards you you're very keen on companies turning that spotlight inwards first and actually just mm-hmm. working at what's going on inside the company which I think a lot of com- a lot of kind of people t- in the branding marketing space miss mm-hmm. and I feel like they're really missing a trick because especially yeah. when your company is massive it your your employees are your biggest advocates like what they say about your company and they will they will talk about you any chance they get especially if they're having a bad experience that is your marketing mouthpiece that's your your Mm -hmm. free obviously you pay your employees a wage but that that is your kind of one-to-many way of getting your message out there yeah and yes why why businesses ignore the fact that so many of their employees have give use their voices to tell those in their their networks how awful they are it's just beyond me that there are so many marketing agencies that I personally have never worked for but because I work in this industry and I know so many people who work in this industry I've heard time and time again horror stories about that that might not even be true but it they've got a horrific reputation and it's like that could have been easily avoided yeah. if you actually valued your team and your your yeah. and, and your reputation yeah and it's and it's so important because your your workplace culture and like Sophie was saying what your employees say about you no matter how much you want to spend on marketing and PR and like 
if you're if everyone who goes to work for you leaves within three months and then tells all their friends how awful that you are then who's going to want to buy from you like there's there's a fashion company that i know i think three people now have worked for and they are a company that front and center they bang on about like their sustainability and how well they treat their garment workers and how ethical their factories and their textile sourcing are and then their workers have like a breakdown within three months because the way they treat their employees in the UK is so terrible. Like I, two of them told me it was the worst place they'd ever worked. You know, I know a freelancer that did some work for them who were paid abysmally and treated like rubbish. And it's like they purport to be this company that cares about the planet and the welfare of their workers. But their actions prove otherwise Such and a like, disconnect. <laughs> yeah and i like their clothes but i'm not going to buy them from them because i feel like i'd be betraying my friends and i don't want to support that and that's the other thing is like that that peer like that peer um the word's gone from my head <laughs> Do not, yeah the kind of peer advocacy your loyalty there is Loyalty. a specific word for it, but um, yeah. So yeah, basically, what people your reviews essentially and your word of mouth is the mm. most powerful and will continue to be the most powerful marketing tool that you have. So mm. to ignore that that inner that mouthpiece, the pe- the people who actually know what they're talking about are the people who see it every single day. To mm. ignore that is just so ridiculously short sighted. <laughs> Um, and I do think more and more businesses are realizing that because there's been so many more very mainstream um, exposés on businesses who yeah. aren't or maybe not even in the media, but on social media, people who are influential in the space are now bringing these companies to light. And I think that's a really powerful thing. Mm. Yeah. And I think also it's just it's partly how stuff's communicated, isn't it? So um, there always used to be. Uh, or from what I observed, a bit of a trend about when you're communicating as a business, it all has to be very slick and very, very um, kind of sounding very professional and all just sounding all very perfect. And um, and there was a lot of jargon used, which essentially are just a load of nominalizations don't actually mean anything. Um, and now I think there's uh, been a bit more of a shift, or certainly from what the people I talk to, in terms of just saying things how they are, so not actually worrying about getting um well, it's a bit like this podcast not worrying about it all being kind of like slick and you know no one coughing or just all kind of all rehearsed or scripted or whatever it's actually just having good conversations with the right people to get the yeah. right information and then to communicate that information in a way that's accessible and meaningful to others and that's not about um, make it all look all glossy and um, you know all perfect in terms of you know necessarily the grammar and everything else it's just actually if someone says something they've got an amazing quote and that really strikes a chord then that's then go with mm-hmm. that because you know, that's the bit, that's, that's the real powerful messaging that really hits people's heartstrings mm-hmm. yeah I think that's bang on actually because at, what I understand communication to be I mean we're writers like we're professionally trained writers so for us the grammar the structure and all of that is really really important (laughs) however that's just to us because that's how we've been trained that's the the lens in which we see the world it doesn't Mm. mean that's right that's just how we see it but what I've noticed so much more is that 
the messages that resonate and even the messages that we put out that resonate um the most are not the ones that have been perfectly coined are not even like we put out a post with our team last week um which had a graphic that wasn't particularly on brand but we did it in like um, about half an hour and our whole team chipped in and it was all about how we're a team of queer people and allies and how we felt about the world cup and it was the most Mm. impactful post that we've probably ever put out apart Mm. from when we put things out about mental health and things like that and it wasn't perfect and it wasn't on brand but it was so much more powerful and for me that is what communication is about it's not as you say it's not about this like god got to get it all right it communicates who you really are it communicates what's really important to you and that's the bit that people will experience when they are working with a company not what people say they're going to do it's that what's really important and how do we really behave and what do we really think Mm -hmm. and I think that yeah Yeah. and and I think as well like what you were saying about the concept of you mentioned the professionalism and the Mm. concept of professionalism which I absolutely hate because my occurrence of professionalism is rooted in queer phobia, misogyny, often racism. It's about showing up, looking a certain way, talking a certain way, behaving a certain way in order to be professional. Mm. And, you know, for so many years, it was, you know, for for, for decades, it was it almost expected that like you'd have the person you are at work and you'd have the person you are at home. And, and I think when you're doing that, you're building your workplace on a foundation of inauthenticity because everyone who turns up every day is parking their personality. Whereas what would happen if you just allowed people to bring their personality Mm. into work, you know, and, and express themselves and, show the diversity of your team like the the, you know on a superficial level the first thing I did when I quit my last job was I I you know donated my entire work wardrobe to charity and I dyed my hair bright pink (laughs) because I wasn't allowed to (laughs) at work And, and and immediately I felt so much more comfortable you know immediately when I got on a call to a client I felt that they were seeing a reflection of me and that made my work better it made my mood better you know being honest and open about the fact that like Sophie said we are a team of queer neurodiverse women and you know the whole kind of level of misogyny of like not being able to bring emotion to work not being able to bring love and compassion yeah again so rooted in in misogyny and so used to to target women I I think that for the concept of professionalism like has to die in terms of what it means do you know what though like and I I agree, obviously I agree completely. And I don't think it's fair to say that it only impacts women. I think it impacts no, no. everybody, including those sort of very specific types 
that are at the top of the most biggest organizations in the world they're also in a box they're also mm. not allowed yeah. to be their full expression yeah. of self and yeah. maybe that is why the world is so fucked because we're putting all these people into these boxes and compressing the boxes and all of that all that does is somewhere that like energy has yeah. to go somewhere so it it often goes in destructive ways like, yeah. and, they, just... and those people become our, our role models those people who yeah. are at the top I think and it's they're really miserable yeah but then we think to be successful we have to be miserable yeah <laughs> we have to sacrifice a part of our lives to be yeah. sat at the boardroom table because yeah. we see the people getting there being so inauthentic to who mm. they are but what's what's lovely about your um example Alice is that you know, when you're allowed to be yourself and you got rid of the wardrobe and you dyed your hair pink and suddenly you're um, you feel great and you're energized and, you know, you're just buzzing. And that's, you know, that's so in terms of your mental well-being is in a really great place. And I was talking with a, um, a company yesterday about uh, shaping some work with their leadership team around mental well-being. And typically as most people do when they think about mental well-being they think about um what aspects of mental health in terms of anxiety and how to make ourselves more resilient and stress and all that sort of stuff and I said well yeah we can do a bit of that because you know that's kind of what people want a little bit about but actually let's like really open that box up and we were talking about authenticity and that ability that ability to be um vulnerable and imagine if as your leadership team they could all go to work and they didn't have to put on this front and they didn't have to appear to behave in the way that's expected of them from their role, from the expectations we put on. And they can just show up in terms of who they really are, um, behaving in a way that just feels very authentic, be, you know, sort of very, very real. Then actually it just takes the pressure off them and it gives permission to everyone else to do the same so that people can be they can be open they can communicate they know what to expect and they're, they're removing this whole level of complexity which is around this doesn't feel right but I'm having to behave in this way which is a whole load of mental noise we just don't need mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly it's like what what would you be capable of if you'd used all that energy you were putting here into the work that you're doing and and what benefit would that have to the business as well mm -hmm. yeah huge yeah. and 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 as well like I, I don't know Sophie if this is your experience I assume it is because we're we're both quite big personalities in terms of you know we very much like feel and represent our emotions but my experience was just continually being told I need to tone down who I am so as not to upset people <laughs> and I've never had that but carry on. Sorry, I didn't mean to. But no, no. I, I say I've, I've, I've had that in almost every job I've been in was to, to tone down who I was so that I would not, not upset anyone or not, you know, alienate anyone. Mm. And for me, that just took all of the joy out mm. of, out of my worker. Like I didn't know which of my coworkers were saying things about me that mm. they didn't like I didn't and it just it, it left me feeling completely alienated and 
I think for both Sophie and I, it was so, so important that no matter what we did with our business, we created a culture where nobody ever felt like they Mm. couldn't be themselves. But that also then comes back to the importance of your communication being very um, spot on in terms of what kind of company you are. So that if you are, if the company's not right for you, you know it's not right for you. And companies are not just trying to recruit all the best people, even if they're not the right fit. And it reminds me of the conversation I had, the um, podcast recently with Virgin Incentives. And they were very open about the fact that they are a certain type of company who are very dynamic. Um, It's all about rapid change. It's all about having that level of energy. And that doesn't suit some people. And so then they don't proclaim to be this, you know, we are amazing. You must all want to come and work here. It's like, we are amazing. And we want the right people who fit our culture. I think that I think that's it. So you've. I was thinking, why haven't I? Why haven't I? And you've just nailed it, Lisa. Is since I, well, I mean, my whole my whole sort of life, I've always just been someone who'll like push the like any kind of box that anyone tries to put around me. I will just push it. I'll never like try to conform. Mm. And so for me, that's always been like a driver. So I've always looked for businesses that I knew that I could be my full self in Mm. and I've only really ever worked in businesses that celebrated me for who I was which is an amazing thing and it's interesting you should say that because I'm um, going through uh, a men I'm becoming a mentor with Enterprise Nation and in my bio I have actively made myself my most self version of myself so that when someone looks at it who's a business leader they can go God no, I don't want her to be my to be my mentor. Or oh, they can yes. resonate with it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah. I don't want to toe the middle line because no. otherwise you're gonna be stuck with me for twelve weeks. Yeah. And we need to know yeah. that we're gonna get on. Yeah. But that also so not only that impacts on them, it impacts on you. So yeah. Yeah. like it's you know, it's it's no when people just think about it in a very simple way, that's just their problem. It's like, it's not just, if, some, if one person's got a problem, it affects everyone in that environment because <clears> how that person then behaves, you know, how they show up and how they interact with everyone is different if they're carrying around this feeling that, oh, this just doesn't feel right. So it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. you can never just put that person in a box. It's like, actually, the ripple effect goes on and on. And I, mm. I think that's a really key thing, actually, just for individuals and businesses to understand is like when we are the full expression of ourselves and as a business, we allow people to be their own version of brilliant, then we do naturally bring in the right fits for it's that sort yeah. of magnetic, energetic quality. But when we're trying to be like professional in whatever way, then we really risk completely mismatching and then having really traumatic experiences which I know is has been a really big thing for you Alice and it's like Mm -hmm. completely unnecessary because there could have been someone else who was just perfect to fit into that office paradigm and loved the you know the wearing the suits and stuff some people love that that's fine it's just not for everyone yeah yeah completely and it's so important when it comes to clients as well. Like I know we've we I can't remember what they said, but a couple of years ago, Sophie, didn't we pitch to someone and they t- told us that we were too colourful <laughs> and they didn't want to work with that, us? We've had that quite a lot of times. Uh, you're too colourful. Uh, t- <laughs> too. Want to work with a more boring agency? Thanks. <laughs> Fill your boots. We wouldn't want them as a client. Uh, so so in terms of. How do you, how do you two 
communicate what you're really about then so because you're obviously helping companies your clients communicate well but in terms of you communicating and and just making the kind of the breadth of what you're talking about when you talk about branding marketing communication um you know whatever vocabulary you're using how do you how do you communicate the breadth of that so um so that people don't put you in the box alongside all the other people in that industry with angry fervor <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, we're quite ranty about how we feel about businesses generally and the marketing industry generally. Um, for a really long time, I used to love going to my, uh, networking events and telling people that I hate marketing. <laughs> and then they'd be like, but don't, don't you run a marketing agency? <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, and I really hate marketing. And here's why. And this is why we're doing it differently. Um, and I think for me, it's it's always been about like, and it's not easy. I have to caveat that. And there's been so many times for both of us where we've almost like this, uh, we used to use the the analogy of like a flower that kept kind of almost coming fully into bloom and then being like, oh God, it's terrifying out here. And then going back into the bud again. So we've done that a lot. So in terms of our own visibility, it's definitely not been this linear journey. Um, but for me now, it, I'm I think we're both very clear on what we stand for and why, and that goes way beyond ourselves and the need to look good and the need to be liked and the need to sort of be easy for people. Um, and that is what drives a lot of our communication um, outwardly. And also because we're both so passionate about the importance of talking out about challenges around mental health, challenges around addiction, neurodiversity, identity all of these things that we feel like well we've got a platform and a voice that others don't have so it, for us it's a, it's almost a responsibility to use that to pay it back for those who can't and that's really important yeah. yeah and I think so much of what we both hated about marketing and why we you know we both worked in it and we decided to start our own marketing business was that marketing essentially is manipulating people into seeing your business in the light you want people to see your business in regardless of what you do you know it's about you know papering over the cracks and making stuff look good even though it might be rotten on the inside whereas the the approach we take with marketing has always been how can you use your platform as a business to make an impact so how can you instead of making it look like you're amazing by you know using all these marketing tactics how can you do great stuff as a business how can you encourage your team to do great stuff and then how do you communicate that great stuff into the world so a phrase we use a lot is marketing is all about talking the talk whereas what we do is helping people walk the walk and then talk the talk mm. That really strikes a chord with me because, um, you know, I, I kind of echo, I, I, I really feel what you're, you two are saying about um, being a bit ranty and actually helping people understand how to look at something from just standing in a, in a different place. Because my I used to talk a lot about mental well-being and people were like, oh, yeah, it is that stuff to do with depression and anxiety. And it's like, no, 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 actually, I'm interested in culture and I'm interested in psychological safety and I'm interested in all these aspects you know authentic leadership and 
everything that actually is a million miles from what you're thinking it's about and it's and that's the drum I've been banging for years to say actually you've got to look at all this stuff from a different place and when you just keep going on about um you know you keep going about this and I'm keep going about all this stuff at some point someone the right people who are interested are going to say oh yeah I get the connection and then those are your amazing clients to work with because they're the people who say yeah we want to improve mental health but we're not going to focus on mental health we're going to focus on all this other stuff that impacts on that and actually what I hear you two saying is um yeah you know we need to focus on your brand but we're not just going to be banging on about your brand we're going to be talking about all the other stuff because then that's what drives who you really are and that's what communicates what you're really about exactly that and, and an example of that is one of our clients um do have a, a kind of whole plethora of services supporting patients in clinical trials which the pharmaceutical side of that is not our aligned client but they're really trying to shift the attitude of the pharma companies to how they treat patients mm. and we hardly ever advertise or market their services what what we've been working on with them for a long time is a campaign about diversity inclusion and accessibility in clinical trials and health equity particularly in the US and as a result of that they are now known as one of the market leaders for diversity and inclusion in clinical trials and patient centricity in clinical trials and when we first started with them like nobody cared about the patient like that was like a completely like you know that was that was the last thing on the list of priorities whereas now it's the it's the absolute first thing that these Mm. businesses look at and I think that really illustrates the importance of having a cause and banging that drum like you say Lisa and just being like no this is so important Mm. and building a reputation around that which then cascades into what you actually do as a business Mm. yeah so that fits then with what I want to ask you about next because something that um you're also very keen about rather than just focusing on a business and what goes on within I can say their four walls but actually they've gone now we've got zoom and everything now um <laughs> but what goes on within a company um is your passion for um environmental social and governance at ESG and net positive impact and and aspects of business that go way beyond kind of traditional boundaries so what I'd love to know a little bit more about is how how has that come about and how do you help companies make that connection between um sort of doing you know something for the greater good um with what they see as their priority which actually might be a million miles apart yeah I'll start by and then I'll pass to you Alice but I'll start by just um defining what we mean by net positive impact because I think that's still something that a lot of people don't quite understand um, so we talk a lot, everyone talks a lot about impact. It doesn't really mean anything in the same way that purpose doesn't mean anything. You have an impact all the time. You might have a positive impact if you're, I don't know, nice to one person here, or maybe you even have a environmental policy and you know that you're on well on your way to being net um, carbon neutral, but then your team or your supply chain or uh, like the, your anywhere that you work with anyone that comes into contact with your business is absolutely miserable or being taken advantage of in some way are you having a positive impact so mm. for us net positive impact is when you look holistically at every single small and big impact that a business makes and add it all together and look at what what, what the sum is and is it taking away or is it giving back so negative or positive positive. And that for us was a really good way of understanding something 
more holistically than just looking in these silos, which businesses just love to do because it's obviously so much easier to do it. But like we've been speaking about this whole time, then you are in danger of becoming extremely out of integrity in one area of your business. And it won't be long before that gets picked up and magnified, whether it's internally, which then often goes externally or externally on a, a huge scale. So it's very, very dangerous thing to do. Mm. Um, and so we look at what we consider to be the kind of main areas of a business's impact, which loosely fits against um, ESG, but it's more kind of we've we've developed it more appropriate for SMEs. Um, I think ESG is still quite a corporate framework and mm -hmm. a lot of small businesses who we really strongly believe have so much more power than they know they do if we all came together 99% of the British economy is an SME often they're left out of the conversation around these things like the B Corp conversation or the ESG conversation because it seems so intangible to them and a lot of the time it's really expensive to have any support mm -hmm. around it as well. And um, so this feels for us, this is a more accessible way of working with smaller businesses to understand that, yes, you have influence and yes, you have an impact. And here's how to measure that and do something about it. Mm -hmm. And I think coming back to what we were saying originally about purpose, like when we first started, you know, we were very much talking the language of like working with purpose driven businesses. Da, da, da. Whereas your purpose is great, but it only means something if you are taking steps towards it and making an impact in line with your purpose so you know yes purpose is important because you've got to know what's guiding you but you can have a purpose and just be like oh isn't that lovely and mm. and not do anything about it and not have anything to to show for it mm. whereas when we break it down into impact we're thinking about okay right you've got this purpose what does that mean in terms of your relationship with your customers what does that mean in terms of your audience and communities what does that mean in terms of your environmental responsibility what does that purpose mean in terms of your workplace culture what does it mean in terms of your giving back and your charity work so in the core areas of your business how are you translating that purpose and what impact mm. are you looking to make through through that purpose through living that purpose mm. and and that is the the key thing is is around what are the what are the tangible what's the tangible difference you're making as a business and where you are seeing things that are less than ideal or out of integrity how are you then if you can't remedy it straight away what steps are you going to take and, and what's the plan of action and and that's the work that we're we're supporting businesses on and again that all comes down to communication like the amount of businesses that you're like well how do you know that that's what your your customers think or your clients that you work with really closely think well you know like you've not had that there's no communication here there's no yeah. feedback loop there's no uh, and I think a lot of businesses are really terrified, at least I think we spoke about this already, are really terrified to find out the, the answer because, you know, it's, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. Um, and at the same time, if you really, truly want to step into that world of purpose and, and living your purpose, you have to know that that is actually coming across and mm -hmm. and be, uh, be prepared to listen and take action when 
someone tells you what you don't want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think you're um you're right as well in terms of your, you know, when people talk about ESG and McKinsey have done a lot of stuff around um, you know, how how they're trying to drive <clears throat> um their company or they're trying to I think their wording is um they're, they're working to create uh, or enable a new era um and one that's beyond seeing um growth and societal benefits is competing with um their current goals so they want to kind of align everything which makes much more sense mm-hmm. um so they're looking at that sense of growth as being something that's more inclusive and more sustainable which is good and that informs their ESG framework and they recognise that it's about their um, expertise and their capabilities of their workforce that are going to enable that change to happen. And when you look at it, and they've got some, they have actually some great frameworks, and you can download various bits and so on. That's that's great, but it still feels, as you say, a bit corporate. It still feels a bit like, well, these kind of McKinsey companies, of course, they can do this stuff because they have just masses of resources and so on. Yeah. And for SMEs, that can feel slightly like I might be a bit interested in it but I don't really know how to get started so how what would be your advice I mean obviously you know you've said that communication kind of underpins all that what would be your advice to companies who are interested in making sure that um, you know they are doing the right thing that having a positive impact and that they are um I, I guess just having a bigger impact rather than just on their own direct employees how where where should companies start with that kind of agenda we have created a resource and I mean it's definitely not an exhaustible resource but it's something that gets people thinking um which I've put the link in for the show notes for this um right. which we call we call it the impact wheel and it's basically just our version of the coaching wheel which gets you to look at all of the areas of your life and assess where you are on that scale um, and we've had great success with working with leaders and with teams of marking where they feel they are on on the level of each area and then have then you've got a spider diagram that shows you oh actually and you can put all of the spider diagrams of the team on top of each other and go hang on a second like our leadership team think we're we're scoring like eight out of ten and if ten's the highest impact in how we're leading the, the company but our team over here thinks it's a two okay well this is really clearly something that we need to look mm, at yeah. and I I'm a really big believer because I spent so much of my career thinking that in order to be successful everything needed to be hard so I was like oh if something's simple then it can't be the right thing it must be like complicated otherwise it's not you know it's not going to be moving me forward Whereas actually what we've realized is that especially for small businesses and especially for businesses where your leaders are trying to do everything, keeping it simple and having something that's just a really, and like I say, it's not like, it's not like something that you're going to be able to take to a B Corp and be like, oh, here, we've got this spider diagram and it measures things. Like it's really just about you understanding. And the first step is to understand um, another thing that we've done recently, well, we do it, we do it regularly, but the first time we did it was really groundbreaking for us, was to do a full audit of every single practice that we had, every supplier, every um, everywhere that we would be emitting carbon um, 
we did this kind of again just using a spreadsheet didn't need to be that complicated but there are ways that you can find out what your impact is across if you're looking at carbon impact across different areas and then suddenly we were like oh my gosh we're like emitting so much more than we realized we were in this kind of bubble of well we're all remote and we work online so it can't be that bad and actually it was a lot more than we thought again unless we knew unless we'd done some work and started to gather the data then we wouldn't know so we wouldn't be able to take any action and make a change so for me it's like it really is all about finding whatever is the simplest access point for you that's not going to feel overwhelming that's not going to feel out of your depth as well and that just gives you the data starts to build the data because once you have the data you can do something with it and there are so many like I think it's so easy particularly with the media and the overwhelming negativity to look at, at you know the environment and the climate as this giant problem that like you as a as a single person or you as a small business can't can't make an impact on but there are so many little things like if you break it down you know when we talk about impact we don't have to be but like global change the world impact it can just be like impact on me and this person and and my thing so you know every time you or your team member drives to a meeting offset your carbon mm. you know if you're hosting workshops I know that you're going to say offsetting is not the answer but if you do have to drive you know it's better <laughs> to offset if you do have to then not obviously better to walk or cycle and or get the train <laughs> yeah if you if it's if driving is unavoidable for you offset your carbon if um if you've got people attending workshops survey them on how they got there and if anyone says that they drove offset their you know offset mm-hmm. their carbon um if you're going to an event you know buy your team reusable coffee cups that they can take with them to mm-hmm. so it's front and center in their mind of oh my company bought me this so when I go to meet I'll go to an event I'll take this you know this there's so many just little things that you can do and you know there are things along the way that you don't immediately notice all these things but like certainly for us people will go oh by the way you 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 should do this and we're like oh of course Mm. and 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 then we take that on and we and we build and we change because you you can't hold every single thing in your head all at once it's about focusing on what you know being open to feedback, looking around for ideas. And when you know better, you can do better. And I think with small businesses, because we have, we're a lot more agile and we have a lot more of a dynamic way of working, there is a lot more potential for us to make these small changes. When yeah. you look at big businesses who have these complex reports, like they yeah. need these complex reports because they've got really complex processes. And there is a long, long, long way before even the likes of McKinsey can ever call themselves a sustainable, ethical business. Mm. And yes, great, they're making steps. And yes, great, they're working with other big businesses to make those steps. But we can do it a lot quicker and probably a lot more effectively. And when we get to that point and we work together to, to help each other and build each other up, we're also much more of a force for good against some of these giant businesses that aren't acting quick enough and aren't actually taking the steps they need to be Mm. what I I really get from both of you is 
that and it goes back to you being very holistic that you I can imagine you guys being in an organization and just really permeating throughout the whole thing like there's no part that's untouched (laughs) because actually what you're you're so inclusive in terms of what you bring and what you think about what you help other people think about and it goes far beyond um the kind of narrow scope that so many people who talk about marketing or communication think about you know just from this conversation alone actually the kinds of things that you know about and you're able to support with is so broad it's it's a a little bit I know you have your your processes but what you will hope with will help with is is really is really broad and it, it kind of reminds me of the conversation I've had with lots of people again in the past trying to put me in a box saying what's your one area of focus what's the one bit of a business you're going to focus on and what's your um, you know your exact client going to be and and everything else and I know actually as I as I say that to you guys I'm thinking you're probably thinking well you should know your client or whatever but um but actually <laughs> for me it's it's um much it's so when you when you have a topic like communication um or mental well-being or uh whatever your specific to- topic is when you can look at it in a holistic way and then you can look at an organization and say what's going on here and what you're doing really well that we just need to build it up a bit more and what's the stuff that you need a little bit of support with? And you can go in at the right place and support whatever it is they're interested in, whether it's sustainability and positive net impact or whether it's about um, leadership being authentic or whatever it might be, and actually help them where they're at rather than them having to say, find the right company who that person can help me with this problem, that person can help me with that problem. You're, you're great. It just the energy as well that comes from you is, is awesome. we did actually thinking about it with our all of our clients we do end up getting to know most of the people who work in their business and Mm. and some of our clients have got 150 employees Mm. all over the world (laughs) and we're always kind of like hi me again just coming in to see how this area is going or how we can Mm. support you in that area and like actually I think because communication is so all-encompassing which is why I'm always so reticent to be like not marketing marketing was for me an accident um it's never my passion but communication really is my passion and and I think that when you approach something like that and it's the same as like mental health isn't just in this one area like it's Mm -hmm. everything like you wouldn't ever just say like oh your physical health is just your heart isn't it Mm -hmm. oh when you're talking about your physical health it means you've got a bad heart doesn't it like you wouldn't talk about that like it doesn't make any sense and it's it's kind of the same with communication like it has to go through everything otherwise it's not going to work so what from this conversation people who are listening what are the kind of the must do's that they should take away and think right actually I need to go and have a conversation in my business about this we need to this is what we need to be focusing on what what's your what are your top tips First of all, I would say, what is what is your reason for being? Because like a lot of the time, businesses have no idea, and they think they do, but it's like that's not really your purpose. It's not really the thing that like drives you, especially if you're like still run by your founder. It has to be the thing that that is like the lifeblood of that founder. Like it has to be running through in that way. 
And then I think just to start by having conversations with people within your team and don't make the mistake of only focusing on the, the senior team. Like mm. talk to every single person about what their purpose is as an individual, what their values are as an individual and what they believe the values and the purpose of the business is. Don't tell them, ask them, what do they believe it is? And then you can start to gather some information about how well your business is actually living your purpose before you start going about telling everybody what it should be. Because I think a lot of people bring in people like us to define their purpose define their values and then just go okay well this is what it is now and that's it and then they just expect that it's just somehow going to miraculously transform their business without doing the the first part of the work which to understand well what's already at play here Mm. what needs to be heard what needs to be seen before we can bring in to to the next phase of that Mm -hmm. what do you add Alice I think to reiterate the importance of involving everyone, um, I think that historically brand has been, like I said, a, a veneer of what image do we want to project about our company is our brand. Whereas those brands that take that approach are built on authenticity, brands that take the approach of who are our team, what do we care about, what drives us, what motivates us, and then create the brand as a reflection Mm. of the team is a far more authentic brand. So always, always the work starts with communication and enrollment of of your people who, like we said, are your greatest assets, Mm. your greatest advocates. Yeah, I really like that word enrollment. Like if, if you're, if we can try to change the language of business from broadcasting and dictating to enrolling and involving I think that would make a huge difference to the world Mm -hmm. yeah so as we kind of draw to a close my um recent guests from Virgin Centres Danny and Lauren have provided a blind question for you and you can both answer this so there's no kind of sitting there silently waiting for the other person to fill the gap um, if we asked your team in 10 years time what leadership skills they learnt from you, what would the, what would you want them to say? I'm gonna say radical candor, because it's something we talk about in our team a lot, which is all around if there's something you want to say, don't swallow it. Because when you swallow it, it stays there and it builds and it leads to resentment. So we practice something called radical candor, which is I am going to be completely honest about how I feel in this moment, what's going on for me without like judgment, without blame, just an expression of actually right now, you know what? I, I feel like this. And then we have a conversation about it. So, you know, radical candor is not about having a slanging match. It's about being really honest about how a situation is occurring to you, what emotions are coming up for you and what you're sitting with and then committing as a team to receive that and working through it. Love that. I've just, I've made a note of that term. I'm going to use that. (laughs) That's brilliant. And I just think actually that how you've explained that and how you use that is, is, um, yeah, really empowering. I think that's I think that's great. 
I have to caveat though that we got that from a book called Radical Candor, and I can't remember who wrote it. I can't either. <laughs> oh, so I can't just credit you guys then. <laughs> no. Um, no. But it is people. a really, really powerful. We've, we've, thing. I think we've created, we've taken the concept and we've created what it means for us in our business and how yeah. we deal with it as a team and, and what it means to us. Which but is I what every company term... should do with everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you. Mine would be that, so if someone has taken how I am as a leader and then they go into being a leader themselves in the future, would be to empower others to be their own version of brilliant or create the space even for others to be their own version of brilliant. Um, I think that's one of the most important things we can do as leaders is to not impress upon the people around us what we think brilliant looks like but instead allow them to sh- to develop and, and evolve into their own version of that awesome great answers both of you <laughs> after a moment of looking panicked <laughs> but I also I also want to caveat as well like we get this stuff wrong all the time like we are not sitting here going oh we are the perfect (laughs) business leaders and our business is always this like perfect utopia like no sometimes we do have miscommunications we do mess up we do get it wrong we do have difficult times but we keep sight of what we're committed to as a team and as a company and we keep the communication going and that is what gets us through these you know we're not sitting here preaching going, oh, we're perfect and this is how you should do everything. Like it's not, we're yeah. still messing up, we're still yeah. learning, we're still changing and we're still evolving all the time. Sadly, we remain impossibly human. <laughs> we do. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good place to finish. Guys, I thank you so very much. Alice and Sophie, you, you're, um, I have really enjoyed this conversation. It's flown by. It's been such a lot of fun. Um, I can just, your energy is just, um, it, oh it's just wonderful that sense of I can imagine how much fun it is actually just working with you um so I'm looking I'm looking forward to carrying our conversation on in a couple of days time um but yeah thank you so very much for everything you shared today and I really would urge listeners who are interested in some of the things we've been talking about to to reach out and just to carry on the conversation because we've covered so much um in an hour um there's got to be something that kind of uh, resonates for for someone so um yeah thank you very much thank uh you. have a, a good rest of the week and uh, we'll catch up we'll catch up very soon thank you thank you so much thank you for joining me today on the beyond the water cooler podcast i hope it's got you thinking about how you can make a real difference to company culture that enables people to engage and thrive I'm always about providing real value and so I need your help. Please rate the podcast and review it to let me know what you have enjoyed and found helpful. Maybe you also have ideas about specific topics or guests who you'd like to hear from in the future. If you would like to explore any of the points covered in these episodes, I would love to hear from you. Let's continue the conversation. Email me at it's time for change or connect with me on LinkedIn or why not pick up the phone? I love to walk and talk. My details are in the show notes. Please do let me know what inspires you. That way I can make sure what I'm talking about is most helpful. Until next time, bye for now.